Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, this is Sharon Pierce, and it's time to wake up. We have an exciting guest with us today. His name is Patrick Valentine, and he has an unusual perspective that he's going to share with us. But before we get started, I'm going to just let you know that when your state legislature is in session, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is in jeopardy. So we have Patrick here with us today, and he is going to talk to us on how to be at the table and not on the menu with your General Assembly. Patrick has an unusual perspective, as I alluded to before, in that he was a state senator for many years, and he was the minority leader in North Carolina. Ultimately, he ran for governor in North Carolina, and after that, we had the great pleasure of hiring him as the lobbyist for the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists. But we have him here with us today, and we're going to ask him to give us some pearls of wisdom whenever you have to go in and talk to your legislators. So I'm going to ask you today, Patrick, to give us a perspective whenever you were sitting in your Senate seat and let's say someone comes in to talk to you about a particular issue. Tell me what would grab your attention and what would someone need to say to you about any issue that they would be coming to you to talk about? Thank you, Sharon, for having me here and talking about nurse anesthesia. I am really privileged and honored to be a lobbyist for the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists. All of you are such professionals and absolutely uh, great at what you do, so it makes my job a lot easier. But going back to your question on what really got my attention when I was a senator, I would say that it wasn't the lobbyist, and I'm speaking against my self-interest here, but it's really the truth. I mean, the lobbyists are there every day. You know, we are your voice at the General Assembly, but it's really important to bring the practitioners in to meet with their representative or their senator. Whether you're a clinician or an educator, the CRNAs know more about their practice and what they do than I ever will. And so it's really a great experience when we can bring CRNAs to the legislature. And I tell them to just give a day in the life of what they do every day. When they go to work, how many patients they see, or if they're in a hospital setting or a rural setting somewhere, ambulatory surgery center, just give a day in the life of, of what you do and how well you do it. And that makes a big impression on legislators because, first of all, it's taken a long time to try and educate the legislators as to the difference between the CRNAs and the 
anesthesiologists, and others. So that's an education in itself, but it really makes a big difference when the CRNAs come to Raleigh. And then when the CRNAs are coming to Raleigh to meet with their legislators, they also can invite the legislators to watch them, to follow them. Again, a day in the life. And many legislators will accept that invitation and follow a CRNA around for a few hours and see what he or she does all day, every day. You know, what you do is, is put somebody to sleep and wake them up. And that sounds really simple, but it's actually a life or death situation every time. So it's extremely important. It's important to every major surgery in North Carolina. So CRNAs are a vital part of the health care system, and legislators just need to know more about what a CRNA is and what they do. Hi, Patrick. Just a quick question for you. You know, you mentioned clarifying the difference between a CRNA and an anesthesiologist. I've been doing this for 20-plus years, and, you know, I look at that, and I, I think back over 20 years. You know, we've had that kind of same conversation now for 20 plus years what do you think is going to finally get that clarified to where you know we can make some moves toward getting crnas to the scope of practice they should be practicing jeremy that that's a really good question the national nurse anesthetists actually set up a task force this year on nomenclature and basically studied what they should call themselves. Should they call themselves CRNAs? Should they call themselves nurse anesthetists? Should they call themselves nurse anesthesiologists? So really the profession itself is debating what they should be called. Anesthesiologists have been good to call themselves physician anesthesiologists to separate themselves, to try and show that they are the medical doctor but honestly most patients have no idea and actually most of the anesthesia administered is from a crna and most patients don't even know that so it is incumbent for crnas and i i tell them when you're giving anesthesia introduce yourself let the patient know who you are let the patient know that you're a crna my friend sharon over here she gave me the pearl of wisdom i don't know if i've given any today but the pearl of wisdom she gave me one time was she said do you know what the definition of a crna is and i said yes it's a certified registered nurse anesthetist and she said no the definition of a crna is whatever the north carolina general assembly says it is and that's how important it is. That's a profound statement because the legislature defines these practitioners and their scopes of practice. So with the stroke of a pen, it could be changed. And that's why we, we fight there every day. We do want to take away supervision of CRNAs. CRNAs are incredible professionals, well-trained, have an amazing track record. We have 40 years of evidence to show that they have high quality and so one of the things we're going to be doing in 2019 is trying to make sure that the legislature can clarify that no physician supervision is required for a nurse anesthetist administering anesthesia. I'd like to take a moment and back up here remembering that our audience is 
all of the United States, not just in North Carolina. And I will tell you, after many years of lobbying down in our legislature, and you were the first, one of the first people that I lobbied, 18, 19 years ago, and you taught me a tremendous amount. But all of that aside, most people are afraid to go in and talk to their legislator because they think they're different than they are. So what would you have to say to somebody who is going to come in and I want, like I said, I want you to put your senator hat back on right now. Should we be afraid to come in and talk to you? Of course not. It's really, really important that legislators know their CRNAs, know CRNAs in their district. A CRNA in their district is a voter in their district. So all that's a big takeaway. All legislators want to know their voters and make their voters happy. Obviously, in the healthcare arena, doctors are very well known and make themselves known. They introduce themselves to the legislators. They go to fundraisers for the legislators. So it's incumbent upon CRNAs to get to know who their legislator is. And whether or not they come to Raleigh or meet them at home in the district, it's vitally important, I believe. But when you come to Raleigh, people or any, or any capital. Other, uh, other capital, uh, state capital, you may be a little uneasy at first, but as you can see, we don't have horns. We're just normal people. Well, I would beg to differ. Some of them seem to have horns. Yeah, and Patrick, you seem very intimidating to me, so I'm just saying I would be intimidated to come talk to you. So. One thing, really, I know we're just joking, but this is serious. I don't want any anybody, CRNA or anybody, who goes to visit their legislator to get discouraged if the legislator can't meet with them that day. They're extremely busy. They've got committee meetings all day. They've got votes on the floor. So you really need to be nice to the gatekeeper, somebody in the office, a legislative assistant, whatever they're called. They know what's going on in their district. They know their representative or senator with whom they work. And it's always very important to be nice to that person. Maybe the next time you come, you can have a meeting set up. And if you're nice to them, they're going to be nice to you. It's just like any other human endeavor. People like nice people. So when you go visit your legislator, be nice. Even if they're not there, be nice to the assistant. I'm going to share a story. He brings up a very good point. And the first time that I came into your office when you were a senator, you had had dinner the night before with the anesthesiologist lobbyist. Well, I had spoken to his legislative assistant at length and had a good relationship with her. So whenever I was supposed to meet with him, they were going over the day schedule, and this is so what I hear. And as they're going over the schedule, she says, and you're going to meet with the president-elect of the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists. And he said, no, I don't want to meet. Tell her I'm busy. And she just says, well, I think you really need to meet with her. And that gatekeeper is who got me in the door with you. And I'm going to go on and finish telling this story because when it, there had been 
some contentious things that were going on at the state level at that particular time and our opposition had sent out a pretty inflammatory letter and I said I'm not going to talk about that letter I know about it and we're not going to talk about it and to the senator's credit to your credit Senator Ballantyne which is still hard for me not to call you that he said no let's talk about that letter and they had sent out a letter saying that we couldn't read EKGs we didn't have certain skill sets and he said I want to know what you think about that letter hmm. I can so, imagine what you said sure. <laughs> well I had to stop and think for just a minute and I said you know what they don't even believe what they write hmm. and he was a tad bit taken aback whenever I said that and asked me to clarify further. And I said, well, I work 12-hour shifts, and sometimes I work 12 hours, and they don't come check on me, and they don't come check on the patient because they know I do a good job, and they trust me to do a good job. So they don't even believe what they write. And I'd like to think that that laid a foundation. It did, and one of the things you mentioned even that first time, Jeremy, she said, when I'm in there in a surgery, I do my job and I do it well and I sit on that stool from the beginning to the end and I don't leave, no matter how long that surgery takes. And I just remember her saying, we sit on the stool as long as it takes. We don't get up and walk around the halls. We don't go talk on our cell phones. We do what we're supposed to do. And, and that made a really strong impression on me. Wow. Well, you know, Patrick, you know, even talking on a national level, we always hear about PACs and PAC donations and things. You know, how much does that really matter in the, in the grand scheme of things? Not even locally, but, you know, even nationally, because yeah. you do have a reach nationally as well. Talk about that, because I think our viewership, listenership, listenership. I keep saying viewership, Sharon always looks at me, glares at me. Our listenership, you know, I think that's important for our community to understand and be able to advocate for themselves. Okay. Well, before I answer that, let me go back to what Sharon said about a dinner. And I just want to say, for the record, there was no impropriety on who paid for said dinner. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. But I think that was back when PACs could pay for dinner. You mean lobbyists. Yeah, yeah, that was true. Yeah. So the PAC issue, for a layperson who really doesn't pay attention to politics... Yeah. And believe it or not, most people don't. And that's one of the things that it's really important to get across to CRNAs. CRNAs are busy people. They work hard all day long, and they may or may not have families and, and other interests. Politics just seems like it's dirty. And when you talk about money in politics and you talk about PACs and super PACs, a lot of people just are automatically opposed to even learning about it. What I would say, though, is it's really not as dirty as you think. When you think about giving money to your PAC, you need to understand that your lobbyists and your board of directors of your particular state is going to give some PAC money to a candidate that they believe is going to be helpful to them or 
you know, is educable. You know, just because you give PAC money to a legislator doesn't mean that he or she is going to vote for you. But a lot of times it does give you access because, as I mentioned earlier, legislators care about their voters. And if their voters are giving them money, that means that they're going to help them get reelected. They have to send out mail. They have to make phone calls. They have to hire volunteers and put up yard signs. They have to maybe get on radio or television. And all of that costs money. So it costs money to run a campaign and to win a legislative seat. And a legislator is, is going to be very appreciative of somebody or some organization that gives him or her money to get elected the first time or reelected after that. So PAC money is really important. It's the way elections occur in, in the United States. And the other side, for sure, is giving PAC money and giving lots of PAC money. So for us to not participate in that would be a huge mistake. And we've got a great PAC director here in, in North Carolina who is a practicing CRNA. He owns his own business. His name is Bob Whitehurst, and he does this PAC directorship as a volunteer for the organization. He works really hard, works very closely with me and my, my colleagues, Tracy Kimbrell and Nathan Babcock, to try and determine who best would deserve PAC money from the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists. You bring up a good point whenever we're talking about PAC and money. Again, it seems like a dirty thing, and it's very, very important. We understand that. PAC money is important. It doesn't get you a vote. It gets you an audience, I think, sometimes. And even though it's very important, I think there might be something that might be just a little bit more important. And if you could speak to that, I know money can get you there, but yeah. that's not everything. Money's clearly not everything. And I touched on this earlier. The most important thing is relationships. And CRNAs are their best advocates. And I'm a paid lobbyist, but CRNAs are the best advocates for themselves. I think it's so important for legislators to know that they can count on a CRNA in their district when they need to talk about anesthesia. In the past, it was who's at the golf course, who's the head of the anesthesia department. Usually, they always defaulted and referred to medical doctors and anesthesiologists in particular. But now I think we've educated enough legislators and enough CRNAs have met their own legislator that those relationships are there. So they don't, the legislators don't hear just one side, they hear both sides. And that's really important. Relationships are, are the key to life in any profession, in any endeavor. I mean, there's nothing more important than relationships. Patrick, are you saying that you know, for CRNAs to be successful in this, this is more of a grassroots type of agenda for the, the nurse anesthesia community, not just locally, but even nationally. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we, the CRNAs do over 30 million procedures a year in this country. In North Carolina, we have over 2,500 CRNAs. There are 170 legislators in North Carolina, so 
there are a lot of CRNAs that if they got to know their legislator and their legislators knew them, that's a powerful influence. Absolutely. Not to put you on the spot here. <laughs> I think Sharon said that once or twice before. But, and I've alluded to the fact that the first time I ever had a meeting with you, you had had dinner with the opposition. I think you mentioned that, yes. Uh, but you told me something very profound. And, you know, you had always been kind of in the opposition's side. And you later come to see the light. That's all I can say. But you told me something very, well, I, very I was vital. I was educable. You and told I can me learn. something. And I would like for you to tell people what you told me, and it made an absolute impact on me. I hope you can remember. I know it's been a few years, so I'm hoping you can remember what you told me. And I think that people who listen to our podcast would like to know this information. Well, yes. Again, uh, when you are a legislator and you are bombarded by one side, that's the side you know. And when you came into my office the first time and told me your story, I admit I, I was not up to speed on nurse anesthesia and didn't really understand it because no CRNA had ever come to visit me before. And I was the Republican leader in the North Carolina Senate, and I've never, I'd never had a CRNA come visit me before and never heard that side of the issue. So clearly it's important for a legislator to hear from their constituency and CRNAs are a big constituency. And I would say now as a lobbyist for the nurse anesthetist, we are absolutely vital to the entire healthcare system. We have rural hospitals in North Carolina that absolutely rely on CRNAs. We still have CRNA-only hospitals. CRNAs are absolutely uh, vital to healthcare running smoothly. And the quality is there. It increases access and actually uh, is a better, more cost-effective way to have anesthesia administered. One last thing, and then we're going to wrap this up. But you bring up another very good point. You are a Republican, and we are Republican-controlled pretty much all over this country, obviously, by our president. But, and you and I have had these discussions before, Democratic leadership has always understood CRNAs, what we do, the value we bring to this system. And when you were hired as our lobbyist, I wanted to know, how do we sell ourselves to Republican leadership? I've never understood why Republicans did not get us because we are a solution to health care. We are a cost-effective solution, and we are vital to free enterprise. And this is the entire platform that Republicans espouse. And I want to hear your take on how you sell this because most of our CRNAs in the country will be talking to Republican leaders. Maybe. I mean, first of all, I, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on your premise. The, the Democrats were in charge of the legislature in North Carolina for, a hun- for 140 years, and you didn't get what you wanted. So 
We'll I, be I, arguing I, after this podcast, just so you know. I mean, that's just a false premise. But I, I agree with the second part of your question, and, and that is cost-effectiveness fits right into what Republicans believe. If you have a quality product at a lower cost, I mean, that... that the superior product. Well, I mean, many studies would agree with that. And I'm not saying that you should be paid less either. I'm just saying, statistically, it makes more sense to pay the provider that did the work. You don't need to have two providers paid if only one person did the work. So that's a whole other can of worms. But We could spend another hour or so. Right. But I, I do believe that quality, affordability, and accessibility are the three pillars that you all can really bring to any legislator, Republican or Democrat. I want to take you off the hot seat for just a minute, Patrick. Um, so, you know, when you look at the state of health care and you look at the per capita spending being over $10,000 per person in the United States, and that's the most around the world, and you look at the quality of health care in the United States, and Democrat, Republican, I don't think it really matters. I think we all know that there's a problem and there's got to be a solution to that problem. And I think hopefully in the long run that's what's going to bring Democrats, Republicans, CRNAs, the ASA, anesthesiologists, hopefully in the long run that this cost problem is going to bring people closer together. And that's, you know, as I look at that, that's kind of where I see the industry growing. What are your, what are your thoughts I, about that? I, I agree totally. I mean, there's an evolution coming. It may not be a revolution, but it, evolutionarily, if that's a word, things are moving in our direction simply due to cost factors. Healthcare is obviously very important on people's minds, but concurrently, legislators are looking at healthcare economics. And, you know, you can have the best healthcare, but if you don't have affordable health care, then these legislators' constituency isn't isn't going to be helped. So you, you've got to have affordability. And CRNAs deliver, deliver a quality service, and, you know, they're in the rural areas more so than, than others, and they do it cost-effectively. So I think things are moving in our direction. Unfortunately, it's been slow because we've had to educate a lot of people who only knew one side Sharon and you know we've had to overcome that but now that more and more people are understanding really who CRNAs are and what they do I believe in the next five years this profession is is just gonna do better and better sky's the limit well I appreciate this conversation Patrick I'm just gonna wrap up with a couple of thoughts here I've always said that we should pay for the degree of care, not the degree of the provider. And I think you agree with me on that. But CRNAs are a solution to health care going forward. And you need to be involved in this process. You can do this. Do not be intimidated by legislators, the process. I know that politics does seem like a dirty word. But if you are not advocating for yourself, if you are not telling your story, someone else is telling your story. And I will just give you one guess as to who that is. 
So I want to thank you for being here with us today, Patrick. And this is Sharon Pierce and Jeremy Stanley. Thank you again. We'll see you soon. Signing off. Thank you. Coming up on a future episode of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Joe Rodriguez, and I look forward to talking to you about coffee, grassroots, and uh, getting things accomplished in the profession. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else that streams podcasts.